fought the people as they were able to bear it. Jesus said, I have many things to say to you, but you're not able to bear them now. And so there are going to be a lot of questions. There are going to be some things that people are going to want an answer to. But quite frankly, at the onset of the study, they're not ready for some of the things that you've got to say, or they're not ready for some of the answers that Scripture has. And so you've got to be slow and methodical and, and take your time. You don't want to close the study down before it ever begins. And I'm not saying that we ever want to withhold truth from somebody, but what I am saying is we've got to go slow, and we've got to be kind and gentle, and, and we've got to lead them to truth, don't we? All right, so in that initial process, there are going to be questions that they have. I would encourage you to tell your prospective student, write down whatever questions you have, whatever questions that you have weighing on your heart, write those down and tell them, look, at some point, we are going to answer these questions. There may be questions that they have that you don't know the answer to. And so what you can tell them is, we're going to do our best to get an answer. You study, I'll study. When we get back together, we're going to make sure we have an answer to this question, aren't we? And we're, always go we're never going to be afraid of truth. Truth can defend itself, can it? I'm not afraid of truth because I know the truth can take care of itself. And Jesus said, you remember in John 8, verse 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So ask them to write their questions down. Now, whether it be this particular study booklet or another type of study guide, there, there will be questions that emerge out of your study with these study with these study guides. And so again, what I would encourage you to do is to tell them, out to the side of, of the various questions that you're going through. For example, if, well, let me just take number six. If your church is doing something different than what God has instructed in the Bible, will you obey the Bible? And the answer is yes or no. Well, it may be that they have some questions about that. That's just, a, that's just one question. It's, a, it's just an example. But the point is, if they have a question about a specific question that is in the study guide, tell them to mark it, to underline it, to write out what they're thinking, and then when you get back the next time, what are you going to do? You'll talk about it. You'll discuss it, won't you? So I want to just show you how easy this is. And I really think that the biggest hurdle that we have to get over in evangelism, and this, this is just my opinion, my perspective, I really believe our biggest hurdle is just asking people. I really do. Now, I grant that there are a number of fears that we might have. We don't know enough. But listen, a novice in the... What is a novice in the faith? It's a, it's a, it is a baby in Christ, isn't it? Let me tell you, this lesson guide is so easy. A novice in the faith could take it and teach somebody the gospel. That's how easy it is. Brother Billy? Okay, all right. Number one, do you believe there is a God? If their response is no. Well, you're going to have to talk to, you're going to have to lay a foundation, aren't you, about God. Who is God? 
Now, we're using the Bible to study with people, aren't we? But in an effort to teach people, we're going to have to draw from other sources about the existence of God outside of Scripture, aren't we? So from that vantage point, you know, some of this is just, as we would say, common sense, isn't it? So if somebody says, I don't believe in God, well then, yes, sir, Brother Paul. Okay, I think that's good. I think that's good. And that goes back to asking questions and letting them ask questions. And Jesus in his public ministry often asked questions, didn't he? If you read, if you read about Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll find him asking a lot of questions. Many times he would ask a question in response to a question. And so I think it's good to ask people, okay, why don't you believe in God? What is it that that what is it that that has caused you to come to the conclusion there is no God? And then you can begin by laying a foundation. Now, there are some people, they're gonna tell you off, they're gonna, they may tell you, you know what? But before you ever get a study going, they may say, you know what, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in the Bible, I'm not interested. And so what do you do? Sometimes you just gotta move on if somebody's not interested. But going back to what Brother Billy said, there are some patients. And there are many people that have listened to the gospel for many, 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 many weeks. Uh, I, can think about, I, I, can, I can think about somebody right now that, that heard the gospel, no telling how long it took a while to put it all together and then to obey. And so patience uh, and and, you know, getting back to what you just said a moment ago, the, the fact that you feel like everything that, that you believed and were taught in the past was based on a lie. That is a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? Because you have been taught by people that you love, you respect, you care about. And, and so, again, I think when, when you can read it in black and white, I had a, had a teacher many years ago, William Woodson, who was a great Bible scholar. Brother Woodson used to say that the best thing to do is take what somebody has said, and he said, write it out, and then you can buttress that with what the Bible says. And he said, it allows people the opportunity to read and to say, you mean that's what they're saying? Well, yeah, that's what they're saying. And this is what the Bible says. And, and so, you know, you read it. Sometimes it takes a while to digest what you've read, doesn't it? And to absorb it and, and to, and emotionally, was there a battle going on in your, in, in your mind? Six years. Okay, Brother Billy, I don't know how often I've heard Brother Billy say that our mutual friend, John Shannon, it took him seven years. 
Six and a half years to obey the gospel. And John said, look, I've been fooled twice. I don't want to be fooled again. And I think there's a lot to be said for studying to the point. You, you, you want to study with someone to the point where they see it. And it's them obeying the gospel and not you pushing them into something that they're not ready for. You want them to come to the conclusion, this is what I believe. I believe that I have to do this because God said it. Uh, yes, sir. Well, I've been confronted with, how, how do you diffuse this situation? The denominational world. As soon as you sit down and start talking to them, they know that you're a member of the church. And you say this, first of all, if, if they already know, you have to say it. But you can't, I don't want to hear anything you say because the first thing you're going to say is you're going to uh, just... You're going to say that my grandmother, who was a wonderful Baptist, Methodist, Luther, whatever, is, was not saved. And, and then, and man, I, as far as I can get, it's like a brick wall. That, and, and okay, Charlie said that. Okay, Charlie said that, that sometimes when you study with somebody, the first thing that they will bring up, or at some point in the study, they'll talk about maybe a family member. And they'll say, if what you're telling me is true, then you're condemning my parents or my grandparents. And, you know, there are probably a number of ways that, that people have responded to that, to that question in the past. The first thing I look, we're, we're, we're not talking about your parents or your grandparents, we're talking about your soul. And the second thing I would say is, parents and grandparents love their children, don't they? And so I, I would respond by saying, you know, it might be that if your parents and grandparents knew what you now know, they would obey the gospel. A third thing I would say is, and I, I remember doing a program, a live program with Gary Hampton, and Gary talked about, he was talking about his mother, and he, he talked about the sacrifices that his mother made for him financially. You know, they didn't have a lot, and she made tremendous sacrifices so that they might have what we would call just essentials. And he said, you know, he, he said, if perchance my mother were lost, he said, I have a hard time believing that my mother who loved me unconditionally and made great sacrifices for me, that she wouldn't want me, even in a lost state, that she wouldn't want me to do the right thing. And I believe that. I, and you remember in Luke 16, the rich man. Did the rich man want his, his family members to be in a right relationship with God? He did. And, that, and listen, that's biblical. You, you know, and so, you, you know, I mean, there's, there, there are a lot of ways to answer that. And probably some of you have had to deal with that in days gone by. But, but again, you know, and... When it's all said and done, look, we're, my job is to teach and preach the truth, isn't it? And, and a passage that I refer to many times, in Genesis chapter 18, Abraham said, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? God's going to do what's right. And so my job is to preach and teach, and God, he'll handle everything else, won't he? I can put that in his hands, and I can, I can feel confident. I had to... Uh, a family member that died outside of Christ. 
Willard Collins preached his funeral. And Willard Collins said, God will do what's right. You know, that was adequate, wasn't it? You know, God won't make any mistakes. He'll do what's right. And, and so, you know, you know, there may be other things that could be said, but that's, you know, I think that's something that, that puts things into, into perspective. Anybody else got a question very quickly? Just a comment to that. I mean, I said the same exact thing, and Wade Webster was just like, I'm not condemning your grandmother to hell. I'm, I'm telling you, this is what God is saying in the Bible. Let's just, just keep pointing to the Bible when people say that, because I got confrontational, too, about it. Like, so you mean my grandmother's in hell right now? And, 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 you know, keep going back. Look, we're, we're studying together, and we're looking at what the Bible says. And, and if your parents or grandparents are gone, is there anything we can do for them? There's not, is there? And, and so to, to just, you know, to just say, look, let, let's just focus on what the Bible teaches and let God handle everything else. And, and I think... Uh, I mean, that's the best way that I know. Brother Bill, do you have something you can read that? Well, I think a lot depends on who you're dealing with. If you're dealing with a person who is, well, you progress to the point that you can uh, take them and let them read for themselves. For instance, in, in uh, Luke 14, 26. Turn over there and, and read it for yourself. And what's so clear about that verse is, of course, you have to explain to them that word hate is not what we commonly think of hate. It means simply love less. And it includes, he also, your own life also. So I think a lot depends on who you're dealing with, at what point you are with them, and, uh, and let, them, let them read the scriptures for themselves. That's right, that's right. Uh, very quickly, turn over to lesson two. I want you to see something. I mentioned that God's plan of salvation is in one of the lessons. In lesson number two, it begins with faith. According to the book of Hebrews, must a person have faith in, in order to be saved? Yes or no? Romans 10, 17. Based on what is written in Romans, does one obtain faith through a study of the Bible? Well, those are just clear cut. Luke 13, 3, what does it mean to repent? And I know that sometimes people have difficulty understanding maybe what repentance is. And you can talk about repentance is a change. It's a change, a change of, of, of life. And uh, really, change of heart, followed by change of actions. Uh, in number 20, question number 21, what does it mean to confess? Does the Bible teach that a person must confess the name of Christ in order to be saved? And you can read about Acts 8, verse 37. In question number 22, you got Mark 16, 16, Acts 2, 38, 1 Peter 3, 21. Does the Bible, God's Word, teach that a person must be baptized in order to be saved? Number 23 is baptism of burial. Well, you know, for some people, they've been sprinkled, haven't they? And yet, the Bible says, buried with him in baptism, Colossians 2.12, Romans 6.3 and 4, it's a burial in water. Now look at, look at number 24. Must a person do all that God commanded if he is to be forgiven of his sins? That's an important question, isn't it? 
And then look at 25. You've got 2 Timothy 2.10, where salvation is in Christ. Ephesians 1.3, all spiritual blessings are said to be in Christ. Here's the question. Are there any spiritual blessings outside of Christ? Well, if you read, if you read these verses, what are you going to conclude? No spiritual blessings outside of Christ. Number 26, does baptism put us into Christ? Very self-explanatory. And then number 27 takes us to the church. What is the meaning of church and body in the context of Matthew 16, 18, Ephesians 1? When Christ said, my church, did he mean that it would belong to him? Yes or no? And Jesus said, I will build whose church? My church. Since the church he built belongs to him, should it wear his name? And listen, some of the questions that are in this, in this little lesson format, I promise you they're questions that people in the denominational world have never thought about. They really haven't. I mean, some of the questions, because, because what, what they teach and what they practice in many cases is foreign to New Testament Scripture, isn't it? Now, not everything, but some things are. All right, look at, look at number 28. Will the Lord add you to His church when you obey His plan of salvation? Now, how many religious bodies teach that you are voted into the church? There are places that, that they vote you in, don't they? Well, what does the Bible say? The Bible says that God adds us to the church. And so, going, going back again, think about this is what you've been taught, this is what the Bible says, and so what happens? You start weighing things, don't you? Didn't you weigh things based on what you were told in the past versus what, what the Bible said? You ordered lots of, lots of books. Let me ask this question, maybe ask you and Robin both, in, in your studies. What was it that ultimately tipped the scales in the favor of you obeying the gospel? Yeah, yeah. But, he had laid a foundation. But yeah, but all, for some reason, John Shannon all of a sudden, Kevin woke up one morning and I said, <laughs> and, and you know, you know that, that brings up an interesting point because in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. It might be that there will be other people that can assist you in teaching because sometimes it may take a couple of personalities to be involved in the teaching process because we're different, aren't we? Okay, and, and uh, yes, sir. I just mentioned that letter we just received the other day. Oh. Okay, we received, we received a letter the other day from a family in Georgia that had been watching GBN and, and Counterpoint. And they attended the services of, of a congregation, I believe it was in McKaysville. They, they, they attended one Sunday, they may have attended more than one Sunday, but then they just disappeared for about six months, five months. They returned, and, and so the brethren asked them, 
you know, where have you been? What's been going on? And they said, they said, we have continued to watch GBN and Counterpoint. And so they studied with the brethren at McKaysville. I think they spent a day studying or maybe a portion of time during one day. And they all obeyed the gospel. And so, again, there are, I'm sorry. And one of the things they had written in there, they had watched John, John Shannon. And they said, he said, you cannot be taught wrong and saved right. And that just struck a note. It did, and so, and so that's why I said, you know, sometimes it may take different personalities because one person may say something that clicks that light switch and it's like, oh, I see that. What, what about you, Rob? What was, what was it that really prompted you to come out of? Last time was just, it finally clicked with me that it doesn't matter about anyone else's salvation. I had to take ownership of what I was going, you know, to obey. It doesn't matter what my grandmother did. It doesn't matter what my daddy's doing. I needed to do what I felt compelled to do. You know what? I, I appreciate the term you used, taking ownership, or the term, this idea of ownership, taking ownership. Because we, we, we need, really, when we study the Bible, we've got to come to an understanding. It's, in one-on-one Bible study, it's really all about it's all about us. It's, and I've got to take ownership for my sins, my life, and my condition. And, and respond. Yes, sir, Brother Trent. Uh, Brother Mike, um, I, I think the turning point was for me and I. You know, no, that's right. You came out of the Baptist Church. Yeah, didn't we're you? in Missionary Baptist Church. When we moved to Forest City, uh, right across the street from where there was a. Uh, oh, I can't think of another. Uh, there's another Baptist church. It wasn't the same name. So we just said, we'll just stand there. We thought they'd all be the same. Uh, we happened to go in there, I don't know, it was first or second time. They were taking the Lord's Supper, so we took it. Well, when we came out, the, uh, the preacher gently said, you know, you're gonna, you, you can't take this Lord's Supper unless you're a member here to this church. Mm -hmm. I said, why? I said, I'm a Baptist. And he said, well, you know, each Baptist church has their own rules and regulations. Well, I'm a novelist. So I don't know anything about the Bible then. You know, we've been in the Baptist 10 years and still didn't know a lot. But uh, that triggered something in me. Then I happened to be, I've been in Pocahontas, Arkansas, working with my dealers, and I made some offhand remark about some script. He said, Trent, uh, I know you're sincere about what you said, but he said, that's not even the Bible. I said, well, it is too. I said, I heard all my life. He said, I'm telling you, it's not what, in the Bible. What did he hear all his life? He, he said that there was something that he, he, he didn't really say what it was. You just no, said, I, didn't, I don't even remember what he, it he was. He just said there was something he'd been saying, and, and, and he said, it's in the Bible, and the fellow said, uh, So that kind of got me, and every time I'd go up there, he would start and just tidbits of information uh, working on me. Well, come to find out, he was one of the Allisons up there in Arkansas, and there's a buku of preachers up there named Allison. He was an elder in the church. But he just very gently worked on me. Well then, the funny part of it was, Betty worked at the telephone office, and one Sunday, Jeff was about four years old. So, 
I went to the Church of Christ. And uh, Betty came on and Jeff said, uh, Mama, we went to church there. She said, well, but we didn't go that over there. <laughs> and, she said, and she said, and Mr. Walker, where did you attend? <laughs> I, said, and I said, well, we, we visited the Church of Christ over there. She said, and that's when the war began. <laughs> yeah. Her dad, all of them were Baptists. Her granddad was a Baptist preacher. All my dad's folks were Baptists, the Walkers. And here I am, an outcast. <clears throat> and uh, she said, well, I'm going to tell you what, I'll go. My dad said, he'd rather be a Catholic than be a member of Church of Christ. I said, well, you know, I think there's some things we need to learn, or at least give a fair shot. So she started going to be there, and uh, we about four or five months. I was learning all the time. I'd, I'd, come, I'd drive over to Memphis, and I'd take postgraduate courses. And I'd run out the Bible bookstore and buy the debate books. So I started reading them. And I'd come home and talk to her about them. And uh, she kept on waiting and waiting, and uh, one day, uh, she, I mean, I just went ahead and was baptized one night. And I got home, I said, Betty, I said, uh, I'm not going to pressure you, but uh, I was baptized tonight. And uh, I think it kind of hurt her feelings, but she said, I said, but I got an idea. I want you to call this preacher over here, name of Brother Cribs. You invite him over, and you ask him some questions about baptism, because she's nailing me about that. <clears throat> and uh, in her conversation with him, she asked him a question, uh, is baptism necessary for salvation? He said, well, Betty, I'm going to be truthful. It is, it ain't. And she, she said, what do you mean it is, it ain't? It either is or, it, or it's not. And she was just furious. He didn't tell her what she wanted to hear. I said, why don't you invite Brother Fowler from the Church of Christ over here and let him talk so she'd have him on one day and the other preacher one day. Uh -huh. Well, I was going on about three or four times. She said, okay, I'm convinced. And, uh, so after about eight months of study, she was baptized. She the now, you could never convince her to go back the other way. She couldn't understand why her family then didn't listen to her. So you've got to be patient. you got to learn to listen to people because they got their story just as much as we That's have. Right. And uh, I think this is excellent looking yeah. through this. I, I, I think you're right, Brother Trent. We've got to be good listeners. Just very quickly, yeah, I know our time is getting away. Let me just share. I was talking to Brother Billy today. I've, I've been looking at some material in connection with this coming Sunday's lesson on Acts 2.38. And I pulled up the old standard Baptist manual by Hiscox. Hiscox. And on page 23, I believe, he talked about, he said that in the first century, basically, baptism was the door into the church. And then he followed that by saying, but today it's different. And the reason I mentioned that is because a fellow that I met when I was in a meeting in Chesapeake, Virginia, a couple of years ago, he was in the military, and he, he said that he, his daddy was a Baptist preacher, and so he had come in contact with uh, a preacher in the Lord's Church, and, they, and, and this fellow said, let me just read for you something from this Baptist man. And he read, that, he read that statement. Baptism is the door to the church, and then it said, but today it's different. 
And this brother asked, a fellow by the name of Robert, he said, who had the authority to change that? That one question flipped him upside down. And he's about 20, 21, 22 years old. He said, man, when he asked me that question, it turned my world upside down. And he was in, I believe, South Carolina at the time in Charleston. He said, I jumped in my car and drove 12 hours to Louisiana to see my dad. And I wanted to know, what about this? And his dad said, well, who have you been talking to? And that put him on a search for truth. But the reason I say that is because when you study with somebody, it might be one thing that turns that light switch on and they say, I see it. Or it raises a question, a doubt in their mind, just like this. When, when that statement was read to this brother Robert, and, and listen, later he became an elder in the Lord's church. He has preached on many, many occasions. He's become a great servant in the kingdom of God. But, but the thing is, that one, that one isolated reading prompted him to start studying and digging and searching for truth. And he found it. And so, so in your study, it might be one thing that's said that's going to really trigger them putting everything together. I, I don't know exactly what it was that brought it all together for John. Something must have clicked and caused him to see this is the truth and I won't obey it. Well, it was a series of things over, over six years of study and uh, <coughs> those, uh, tapes, listening and going with me to the lecture ships and various things. But uh, you don't make a crop in a day. That's Sometimes true. it takes a while. And, and, you know, going back to what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, being patient to recognize that you don't make a crop in a day. And when you, you know, I'm not a farmer, but I know, I know enough to know that when you feed your cows, you don't feed them, you, you know, you gotta, you gotta go, you gotta go easy, don't you? you don't feed them the whole bale in one night. And, and so, be, be gentle, be kind, be patient, take your time. Yes, ma'am. Mike, tell us your suggestion for how to take this to somebody. I mean, do we give it to them and tell them and ask them if they'll take it? I, I think, yes. Do the, they do the questions and then we look I, at it later? I, I would encourage you to ask somebody, would you be willing to study with me? And to use this as a guide point. To say, look, I'd like, I'd like to see if you'd be willing to study the Bible with me. And if they say yes, say, you know, I've got just a very simple uh, series of studies. It's three studies. And I'd like to see if you would commit to sit down with me maybe you know three evenings or or you know five evenings whatever you determine and say let's go through this together now could somebody take this on their own and learn the truth i think they could but but you know we're trying to personally talk to people and 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 to be that guide just like philip was with the unit and so so i would say you know identify who you're interested in studying with Ask them, are you willing to study? And, and ask them, are you willing, you know, would you commit to say 45 minutes or an hour every week to study with me, or two times a week? Yes, sir, Brother Jay. Mike, I remember when I uh, took out Fishers of Men course. If you ask somebody to study, set a specific time, ask them what's convenient for you, 
I would say, if, if I was going to say with you, I take this and look at lesson one. And if you got any questions on there, okay. write them down. And when we meet, we'll discuss it. And we'll see what the Bible says about it. Okay. But he said they, they should recommend let them set the time and it's what's convenient for them, not for you. What's convenient? What's a good time we can get together? Take this and study it for a couple of days and we'll sit down and discuss it. And, and, and you know, I would add to that. You need a place that is free from distractions. Yeah. You know, you, you don't want to be in a situation where they're constantly <laughs> being distracted or pulled away because you need their undivided attention for whether it's 30 minutes, 45 minutes, or an hour. They, they need to be able to focus. Yes, sir. Don't sit down with them on the television wide open, you know. <laughs> okay, okay. And, and, and you know, the, the human touch, I mean, I mean, Jesus spent a lot of time with people, didn't he? One on one. I think uh, one thing that uh, was helpful in my experience is invite them to come to work. That's good. That's a good point. Invite them to come. Let me let me put in my two cents worth. I believe the first thing you have to do is is to let that person know that you love them. And you about their soul, and they got to have faith in you, or you're not going to teach them anything. They trust you. <coughs> First thing you got to let them know that you love them and care about them. You're not there for self gratification. You're right there because you're concerned about your soul. That's right. And I, I had a, a professor in college, Tom Holland, and Brother Holland was a great preacher, teacher, personal worker. Brother Holland said that when he would sit down and study with people, he would tell them on the front end, he'd say, look, we may disagree. We, when it's all said and done, we may disagree, but we're still gonna be friends. You, you know, we're not here to be adversarial. It's not about becoming an enemy, but rather we want, you know, we, we, wanna, we want to try to, to keep this on a higher plane. And, and I think, you know, I think that's, that's good. And, you know, you, I don't know how many people are here tonight, but we've had a number of people that watch online. They've watched online. Some have gone back and, and watched our, our lessons over the past four weeks. And to get started, that's the toughest part. I really believe it. And so my encouragement to all of us is to, I, we, we were, this afternoon, we stopped by a fellow's house today, and Jared helped put a tube in his in his tractor. He had a flat tire. And Jared said, he's one he's one he's on my list. And and you know you think about you think about if 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 all of us got busy and started studying. I was talking to Jared's dad this afternoon on the phone and I asked him, I said, you know, in terms of your Bible studies, how successful have you have you been? And he said probably three-fourths of the people that I've studied with have ultimately obeyed the gospel. Now, we have no control over what people do, but that just goes to show you that if, if, we, if we're willing to study with people, there are a lot of folks out here that will that'll obey the gospel. Brother Mike, there's one other thing I've learned in, in sales. People love to talk about themselves. If you'll be patient, you know, we tend to over-talk ourselves sometimes and talk too much. But just ask them, you know, 
um, share their story with you. And uh, as you're working through this, how would you say, and, and write it all down and everything. Then when you get this, you know, just say, I was saved exactly like that. And I share you my story to how, how I came to reach this conclusion. That's right. They're going to feel some little obligation if you said, but you've got to make sure that when you're listening, you don't cast any doubts that, that you question what they're saying because they're truthful in their minds as much as we are. That, that's right. That's and, right. And as you go through this, I mean, it's just like what you said a minute ago. In your heart of hearts, you believe that you are a Christian. And they're going to be people that you studied with. They have said the sinner's prayer. They believe they're a child of God. But when you go through your study and you look, for example, at the book of Acts, yes, sir. Mike, I read somewhere once that, that the, uh, the notion of the believer's prayer was, was introduced into the 19th of the United States about around 1930. Are you familiar with that? I have looked uh, at the origin of the sentence prayer and it, it it dates back i'm trying to i can't think of in, in my mind i can't think of the back to exact date but but most of the people preached in, I'm, I'm saying when it was first preached yeah. in the united states and they attached a name to it but i can't remember what Mo most billy fox is one of the early ones yeah and and yeah. most of the people that we talk to that's going to be the mode right of, of their salvation. When they tell you what they did to become a Christian, it's going to be they recited the sinner's prayer. Now, there will be some that, you know, were baptized as an infant or whatever, but I mean, most, most folks are going to say, you know, they recited this prayer, they accepted the Lord Jesus into their heart, and so from there, you, you know, we got an open door. And I, I think it's good to, to you like, you know, set a goal. I mean, you know, like if, if you don't, if you don't aim at anything, you're not going to hit anything, are you? And so, you know, I think, like, personally, we ought to say, you know what, I'm going to find somebody, or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to find somebody that I can talk to and see if they'll study. Brother Ray's done a lot of Bible studies and asked a lot of people. And, and as I said last week, most folks aren't going to just come up to you and say, could I study the Bible with you? You're going to have to ask. And again, that's the hard part. But once you ask, most folks, most people, I believe, would say, sure. Oh, they'd be willing to study. Anybody else got anything that we went over tonight? Anybody else got anything you want to add? We're going to put, we're going to put, yes, sir. I'll say something. Okay. Uh, I just want to say thank you for uh, coming to the class uh, for four weeks. I know it's uh, truly been beneficial for me, and I hope everybody else as well. Um, but uh, you know, the, the point of this class is is not to it's not to feel good after after it's over, uh, but to but to really you know put our faith into action and get busy. Um, you know, so throughout 2020, let's get really busy with evangelism and let's try to reach as many souls as we can. Because um, I, I believe we can. You know. Uh, the, the word of word of God is is powerful, and you know uh, there are a lot of people who want to hear it, and so it's up to us to, to go out and evangelize to them. And, uh, I just agree. Think how many people we can reach and, and get this building filled up? And, well, you know, you know, in, in our brotherhood, there have been any number of seminars and workshops and books that have been written about about evangelism, and those are good. But when it's all said and done, it really goes back to 
taking the initiative. Faith in action. As Brother Dio, just a moment ago, Brother Dio was pointing at his chest. It really goes back to, as you said, faith in action. And, and, and hitting the ground. In Acts chapter 8, those disciples that were scattered abroad, they went everywhere, and what were they doing? They were scattering seed, weren't they? And so that's what we got to do. And you think about, one, one thing Brother Billy said about inviting people to services. Ask people to come with you. Uh, you remember we looked at John chapter 1 when Jesus said, come and see. Come and see what we're about. Come and observe, and you'll be amazed at what a difference that'll make. Brother Larry. When I ask that, it's not like they're afraid to come to a Church of Christ. Okay. Well, you know, there are some people that, that might be somewhat apprehensive, but just tell them to say, hey, look, we don't bite. You know, we, you know we're, we, we love everybody. We invite you to come. And I really believe that most folks, if they were to come, they'd be amazed. They really would. I told you a story about a fellow that was a Catholic, started attending services in the Lord's Church, and he began attending, and the first thing that he noticed was the simplicity. And just the, just the fact that when the preacher got in the pulpit, all he did was preach the Bible. And, and he said that made an impression on him. And so he continued attending services of the church, and he also attended Mass. And he said he kept coming, kept coming, and those lights started clicking on, and before you know it, he saw it. And he said, you know what, I went one day, obeyed the gospel, and never went back. And that was all by visiting services of the church. So if we, get, if we, if we hit the ground running, we could do amazing things. And listen, let me ask you this. Do you think God wants us to be successful? Yes. I want you to look in closing. Look at Matthew 28. In Matthew 28, in verse 19, Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Now here it is. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. When we go out preaching and teaching or sharing the gospel, the Lord is with us, isn't he? And so, you know, we ask the question, what do we have to fear if the Lord's on our side. David said one time, this I know, God is for me. He's for us, he's with us, and we can be successful with his help. All right, let's close with prayer. Ben, would you lead us in a closing prayer since, since uh, you got everything, to, everything up and running? All right, let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for, this, uh, for these four weeks. Uh, we, we been able to gather here and uh, learn about spreading the gospel, Father. Um, I pray as uh, we go out into our daily lives, uh, we will be encouraged and we have the tools that are necessary to uh, go out and reach the lost, Father. Uh, I pray that uh, we all take it upon ourselves uh, to do so and uh, give us strength and uh, give us encouragement. Uh, and Father, I, I pray that, uh, that, that everything uh, goes according to your will. Uh, forgive us when we fall short. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Oh.